Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast, an ongoing series covering a range of healthcare topics affecting the lives of physicians and patients. Scope of practice is a really important issue and it's a key part of the AMA's recovery plan for America's physicians. And that's why I'm really excited today to talk with Dr. Brian Batson, CEO of Hattiesburg Clinic in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, about a study that demonstrates uh, the value of physician-led team-based care. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Batson, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. Uh, let's start off with a little bit of background about Hattiesburg Clinic. Um, you've got a pretty incredible story that began with an analysis of cost data for your Accountable Care Organization, or ACO. Um, so why don't you just start with a little bit um, of thinking behind your ACO structure. Any background on that you want to provide the audience out there? Yeah, um, Hattiesburg Clinic, uh, we really began our value-based journey uh, before we started this study in 2016. Um, in 2011, we converted to uh, the Epic EMR and began gathering our quality data. But around that time is when we started reporting uh, quality data to CMS as well through the PQRS or GPRO uh, program. In the ACO, uh, we entered into a Medicare ACO contract in January of 2016. As you said, our, our organization is uh, physician-owned and physician-run. Uh, so we're an independent organization, so have been invested in value-based healthcare for many years. What prompted this analysis that we're going to talk about in more detail for your ACO, and what were you looking at specifically? Well, as, as an organization that was really focused on improving value-based healthcare for our patients and our community, uh, the Medicare ACO journey was integral to that. And one of the great benefits in being part of the Medicare ACO is that you are, uh, are given the raw claims data and the the co the total cost of care. So we were very curious to find out um, internally where our costs were going for our Medicare ACO patients. And and out of curiosity, more than anything else, we uh, one of the first things we wanted to do was was try to look at who our highest cost providers were in our system. So let's talk about what you found, and were you surprised by the findings? Well, I'll say we were, were surprised in some of the stark differences that we saw. Um, one of the first passes we took at the information, and we were looking at our claims data and our cost data on our Medicare ACO patients, was to look at our top 10 um, providers, if you will. So those uh, physicians and or APPs that were among the higher in the group for cost um, for our Medicare ACO patients. And, and what we found was that eight of our top costliest providers, if you will, were um, APPs or advanced practice providers. Four of our top five costliest providers were advanced practice providers. Of In that top five, the one physician who was in that group was a physician who was specifically 
uh, running a clinic for Medicare highly complex patients in, in the geriatric age group and those patients who had the highest complexities of care. So seeing her in that group was not a surprise, but what was a surprise was to see the other four in that group being all advanced practice providers. Were you surprised by that? I will say we were enlightened is probably a better term. Um, Hasbro Clinic, we're in Mississippi, a state that has one of the the lowest physician to patient ratios in the country. So Hattiesburg Clinic had been on a a journey over the 10, 15 years prior to joining the Medicare ACO where we're expanding our care teams and did so knowingly um, with the addition of advanced practice providers to our organization. And this was in the face of physician shortages and um, in, in a need to make sure that we were providing care to our patients that we were expanding the teams as quickly as we could. And over the course of that 15 years had had significant growth. In around 2005, our organization had around 25 advanced practice providers, but by the year 2020, we had over 180. So there was significant growth uh, over the course of those 15 years in um, our care team makeup. So when you dug in to the numbers, what, what else did you discover? So this data set that we looked at, really it was, um, it was really a looking in the mirror for us, was really to say, as we are advancing in value-based healthcare delivery, how do we do it better? How do we refine our process? How do we refine our system in a way that we're meeting the challenges of value-based healthcare delivery? So uh, we had studied over 33,000 unique Medicare beneficiaries, and and we really took a a closer look at patients who are non-ESRD and non-nursing home patients. So the the bulk of our patients of those 33,000 unique beneficiaries were not dialysis or nursing home patients, but began to take a deeper look at um, how how is our quality also our cost and utilization and the patient experience. And essentially what we did was to look at patients um, in uh, two, two, two categories. One, those who, were, um, who had a physician as their PCP and those who had a non-physician or advanced practice provider, a nurse practitioner or a PA. So we looked at the data across those big categories of quality cost and utilization and patient experience um, for physician versus non-physician. And what what ends up driving, let's say, the differences that you saw? Well, I I would say taking the first um, metric in quality, there were 10 quality metrics that we looked at of the Medicare ACO uh, quality metrics. And of those 10, Physician performed, physician PCPs performed higher on nine of those 10. What I think was most stark in those findings was that there were double digit differences in things like pneumococcal vaccination and influenza vaccination. These are measures that we typically call process measures that, that sometimes even a, a non a physician or non APP can do with the help of a nurse or another rooming staff. So the significant difference in quality, especially in those two measures, was was stark. Um, That was really the quality metrics that we looked at. 
Then on the cost side, we, we simply looked at um, per member per mo- month costs for patients who had a physician as a PCP versus those who had an APP as a PCP. And the cost differences were also quite stark. Um, we, we broke that down a little bit further into looking at what was driving the cost differential between the two. And then, um, as I said, we looked at patient experience. But back on the cost, what we found was that um, physicians who were the PCPs had on average about a $43 uh, lower per member per month cost than those who had an APP as a PCP. And then we risk adjusted those. So to, to, to account for patient complexities and risk, we used HCC coding to risk adjust that. And, and the difference between physicians and APPs widened to nearly $120 PM PM. And the, the factors that are underneath that uh, on that cost side. So uh, you looked at tests, referrals. Tell us more about that. So certainly that was the next question is is what was driving that difference in cost. And and there appeared to be a a significant difference in the amount of tests being ordered um, per patient by APPs, the number of referrals to specialists by APPs. Uh, And then there was a higher ER utilization rate for patients who had an APP as their PCP. Um, so, and those were fairly significant. So, on, on average, uh, APPs were had about a eight percent higher referral rate, and they had about a two percent higher ER utilization rate than those patients who had a physician as their PCP. Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine; they shape its future. Help move medicine. Join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. So uh, quality, uh, cost, how about patient uh, satisfaction? Patient experience was uh, another area that we looked into. We had over 200,000 Presgany responses that we examined. And overall, uh, patient experience was similar between physicians and non-physician PCPs, with um, physicians performing higher overall, but not a significant difference. Um, Physicians were uh, rated as a higher than overall rating of provider compared to our, our APP partners. So this is, uh, you know, it's big news and you get this kind of data. What do you do with it? How do you make changes then uh, to your care delivery model to reflect what you learned? Well, first for us, I, I think it was really important and, and it remains true today is, is we very much value our APP members of Hattiesburg Clinic, our nurse practitioners and PAs have been integral to our journey um, up to 2020 when this study started. You know, we start, we really looked at this study in data from 2017 to 2019 with, with multiple thousands of patients. In that same three-year period, we saved Medicare through the ACO. We saved Medicare over $23 million. Wow. Um, our APPs in our organization were, were helpful in that. We were able to provide a lot of care to a lot of patients. We were ranked the number one ACO in the United States for quality for similarly positioned 
ACOs, patient, uh, ACOs who started with Medicare the same year and were in the same tract as us. So first and foremost, I, I think it's always important to point out the fact that we believe that the nurse practitioners and PAs in our organization are very important to our success. This study, if you will, this examination, this look in the mirror, was how do we improve further upon it? So once we had this information, we, we felt it was time to redesign our care teams. We took this information, had a lot of conversation internally about how do we repurpose our, our, our staff and, and our physicians. And beginning in January of 2021, we shifted to where primary care physicians were um, the only ones allowed to be the head of the team, if you will. So nurse practitioners and PAs were still part of our care teams, but that patients were no longer to be, uh, were no longer allowed to be followed solely by a nurse practitioner or APP in the primary care setting. That was one step. Another step was in the specialty world that referrals in the specialty population needed to see a physician first. Again, our nurse practitioners and PAs are, are very instrumental in us being able to provide specialty care, but we felt it was important that patients referred to a specialist, see a specialist physician first. And we had some um, ways that we could we could work with situations where the referring physician was okay with the patient seeing an, an APP or nurse practitioner or PA first, but by and large, the, the expectation is that the patient see a physician first when referred to a specialist. Now, Dr. Batson, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, the sensitivity that you're sharing about, uh, about your staff and your, and your care teams. And I think it's completely consistent with, uh, you know, the messaging here at the AMA. We live in a team-based care world. And uh, what's really important here is that physician leadership part of that, what your, your data is showing. When you, when you went to your staff and you talked to them about this, what, what was the reaction? How did you communicate that to make sure that those principles really came through loud and clear? I think it was really with a focus on the patients. Um, it, it is how do we provide the best care we can to the patients who are entrusting us with their care. Um, when we approach it from that perspective, I think we can't go wrong if we're focusing on patients first. Um, we certainly are very fortunate to have a, a great physician staff and an APP staff, and it takes all of us to take good care of our patients. And that has been our driving principle from the very beginning. It is uh, why we began examining our data back in 2012 to to, to, to determine how do we do better. And I think that has been the driving principle from the beginning. And how how did the staff react? You know, there was certainly everybody wants to understand the, the data better and and that's that's reasonable and expected Uh, so a lot of this was educating ourselves on how do we do better how do our physicians uh, interact more meaningfully with our APPs and educate our patients on what team-based care looks like team-based care is crucial It, it is crucial especially in a state like Mississippi where we are underserved in in many areas 
and we need to make sure we're leveraging everyone's skill set to the best of our ability. So education was a big piece of it. And then working our way through um, a year education process to our patients that when we came to understand these uh, truths about our value-based journey, that we spent a year trying to educate our staff and our patients about this transition that was going to take place in January of 2021. Now, it's interesting having heard kind of the background on how you you got into uh, looking at the data. When you were doing this, did you have any sense that it was going to, you know, end up being used really beyond uh, certainly Hattiesburg Clinic and have, you know, more national implications? We didn't. I think there were certainly as we started to understand it better and uh, started to share our story with our state, Mississippi State Medical Association, they certainly felt that it was a story that we could, more people could learn from. Um, this was a journey for us and it is, it is still a journey. We're still learning and we're still refining, but we were uh, worked with the MSMA to make sure that we were um, helping share the story as best we could in, in, the, in the most appropriate fashion. And you published that, uh, that study uh, called Targeting Value-Based Care with Physician-Led Care Teams uh, in the journal of the Mississippi State Medical Association. Are you, are you seeing reactions from uh, counterparts across the country? Yes, we've had uh, multiple organizations reach out to us asking, you know, how can they learn a little bit more about their own system and how can they refine it. It was quite simple, um, to be perfectly honest. It, it was really once you get the data from Medicare on your ACO population, how can you examine it in a way that helps you refine your process? Um, so we've had multiple organizations reach out to us. Naturally, there have been um, a lot of questions and some angst around some of the findings um, as well, but our, our purpose remains uh, the same is that we're going to continue to learn from uh, our our examination of ourselves and and hopefully continue to, to improve on the way we deliver care. I'm curious uh, in particular about how a study like this uh, gets communicated to a state legislator. Um, you know, we see issues around scope of practice. They do play out many times at, at state legislators, uh, with at state legislatures, and I think there are a lot of assumptions that get made around cost and, uh, you know, uh, coverage, uh, state coverage, um, that haven't necessarily been informed by data. So, when you take a study like this, how's how's that played out in your own state? We were very fortunate to have some legislators who sat down with us and looked at the data. Uh, I remember one legislator, we, we were looking at the Excel spreadsheets together and, and really digging down into the specifics, not just the top layer and, and, the, and the headline, if you will, but really digging out, down into the data. We were exceptionally fortunate to have legislators who were willing to sit down with us and, and understand the data and, and how we analyzed it. And, and really take take a, a broader look at what this might tell. I think it helped too for the fact that we did this. This was home, this was local data in, in a health system in Mississippi and our legislators were willing to take the time to understand what, what we learned and what it was telling us and, and what we were doing in response to it. Well, uh, last question, 
uh, and just a theme of our discussion today, you know, you've been really clear that the findings that came out of this work, you know, don't undermine uh, the important role that nurse practitioners and PAs play in uh, care delivery and the healthcare team. You know, why is this so important to keep in mind as other health systems, uh, you know, look at what came out of uh, the data and, and think about how it informs their own approach to physician care, physician-led care teams? I think that has been just, just like the first time that we were trying to digest this information ourselves internally, we had to understand the, the, the ramifications of it. And we absolutely value our relationships with the nurse practitioners and PAs who work in our system, likewise, the CRNAs and other um, APPs. That is crucial to this. I think we need to be functioning as highly functioning teams. And that requires multiple people on that team all uh, working together. This, is, this has been an important piece of this for us and continues to be. And we hope that others will recognize that as well as they, they examine their information. Dr. Batson, thanks so much for being here today. It's a pretty incredible story. I love situations where you, know, you gain so much insight from looking at the data and then you put that learning into action. Um, to learn more about the AMA's work on uh, the scope of practice issues, uh, you can check out the AMA's recovery plan for America's physicians uh, on the AMA website. Uh, we'll be back with another video and podcast soon. Uh, for all our videos and podcasts, check out ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care.